Fill in the blank. Jacob Toppin will be a first-round pick in the 2023 NBA draft if blank. We answer that on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we're going to be answering a fill-in-the-blank question to start things off here. So I asked you guys on a variety of social media platforms. I believe I reached out on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Rupp Rafters, a message board over on Rivals. I asked you guys this simple question. And if you're listening now on YouTube or if you're listening on podcasts, feel free to reach out to me and give your answer to this question if you did not see this. It's a simple fill-in-the-blank question here. Jacob Toppin is a first-round pick if blank. And I got a number of responses from you guys, and you all seem to kind of collectively agree on what the one thing that he needs to do in order to make the first round in the 2022 or 23, excuse me, NBA draft. There's one thing you all collectively agree that he needs to do, and it's shoot better from the perimeter. And we're going to go through some of the answers here. One of you said, Jacob Toppin is a first round pick if he plays like he did in the Bahamas. Then he is a lock for the first round. Another one of you said, if he hits around 40% from three. Another one of you said 35%. Several of you actually said 35 or 40% from three. That is what would get him over the hump. That is what would get him to the first round. Can any of you tell me off the top of your head without actually going and looking and pulling up Jacob Toppin's stats what he shot from beyond the arc last year? It's 40%. Believe it or not, Jacob Toppin shot 40% from three last season. Now, he hardly took any threes. He hardly took any outside shots. But when he did, he knocked them down. And so I think if you if you look at this and you, you give the response to that question, I think you've got to be a little bit more specific. I think that you have to say not only does he shoot 40% from three, but he shoots at a high volume from beyond the arc efficiently. I guess that would be a different way to put it. And there are a couple of you a couple of you that said something very, very similar. One of you said, if Kentucky fans are in charge of the NBA draft, Jacob Toppin will be a first-round pick. I think that uh, there are a lot of different ways that Toppin could maybe project out to be a first-round pick. There are a lot of different things that he could do. Uh, he would probably not have to rely on Kentucky fans being in charge of the draft. One of you said if he averages 17 points and 9 rebounds a game. Which is interesting because I don't think it would take those numbers to necessarily get him into first-round status. One of you said if he shoots 35% or better from three and shows the ability to handle the ball, a lot of you outside of just simply saying shoot better from the perimeter, a lot of you also added on, or a lot of you just said specifically he needs to be able to handle the ball a little bit better. We have talked a little bit on this show about what it takes to be an NBA talent. 
And one of the big words in the NBA right now, one of the big things that scouts and teams are looking at whenever they go to do uh, different mocks and they go to do different reports on different kids, they're looking for versatility. And this is something that we've talked about quite a bit with Oscar Shibway, Kentucky center, and whether or not he could legitimately make a move to the pros. There is a cause for concern with Shibway when it comes to his versatility. He's not a phenomenal ball handler. If you put him in situations out at the top where he has to make decisions, he is capable of handling the ball, but he is not, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's, he would, he's not an elite ball handler, and I wouldn't say that he's a, he's a great ball handler away from the rim. You've also got to be able to have an outside shot. Oscar Shibway, if I'm not mistaken, took a couple of threes during the Bahamas, and he missed them, missed them both. And I don't think he's going to be taking a lot of threes this season. But to go back to, to Jacob Toppin, you need versatility. You need to be able to shoot, and Toppin proved in the Bahamas that he can do that. And you need to be able to handle, handle the ball a little bit. Kentucky has put Jacob Toppin in certain situations where they have asked him to handle the ball a little bit. And I would say more times than not, he, he's been able to deliver. But there has, there's been the occasional moments with, with Toppin where I see him struggle in the half court. And it's a scenario where I'm sitting there thinking, man, if he's playing against a better defense, he's playing against a more aware team, they're probably either stripping that ball away from him or they're not allowing him to pursue the rim further. He's not going to be able to get any further downhill because of the way that he's handling the ball. And so I don't think that we're going to to answer this question, this fill-in-the-blank here. I don't think that we're going to limit it specifically to an outside shot. I think that you have to find versatility in his game, and I think you need to see him excel in a couple of different areas. One of you said if he averages 25 and 15, he will be a first-round draft pick. Uh, straight up disagree with that. By the way, to the two or three of you that said Jacob Toppin will be a first-round pick if he gets drafted in the first round, you're not funny. Sorry. One of you said, Jacob Toppin is a first-round pick if he consistently checks several boxes in the box score and makes one to three big energy plays per game that show off his athleticism. He'll be where he wants to be. And that's the thing, right? That's one of the big things. If you're, if you're trying to make the, the jump to the NBA... Versatility is really important, but also athleticism is phenomenal to have. This dude can jump out of a gym. He can run like a deer. He's really, really athletic, very, very talented from a physical standpoint. But you you wonder, okay, what outside of his athleticism would NBA scouts be really, really impressed with right now about his game? And I'm not going to lie. Some of you said that he needs to be a better passer. I think for the position that he plays within the offense— at the three, and then occasionally at the four. I think he's a good passer. I think he's a very aware player. I think he's really, really solid in transition, not just getting his own shot, but also finding other players as well. I think that that IQ is something that is not lacking with Jacob Toppin. So to kind of put a bow on it here, because a lot of you, and I, and I mean a lot of you, said if he can knock down the outside shot. To kind of put a bow on it, I agree. I think that you have to be more consistent from three with a larger volume of shots. 
And then also, I think that you need to be able to prove that you can handle the ball a little bit better. One of you, I think, gave a perfect answer to this. And I'll read it off here and then we can move on. Jacob Toppin will be a first-round first round draft pick if he has consistency with his shot, he's locked down on defense, and he has a tight handle. Now, I don't necessarily think that he's got to be locked down on defense, but he can't be one-sided. He can't just be an offensive player. And we saw he was really, really aggressive protecting the rim in the Bahamas. Is that going to translate to this season? I doubt it. At least not as extremely as it, it played out in the Bahamas. But he's a capable defender. He's got length. He's got, he's got athleticism. He can play defense. So I, I think that it's, it's, again, outside shot, and then it's, uh, it's a tighter handle. One of you said he'll be a first-round pick if Kentucky makes the Final Four. Um, respectively, I disagree with that take, and we will not push further. We will not delve into that. But yeah, I'm surprised a lot of you had very, very similar responses to this across several platforms. So I want to ask you guys, if you're listening right now, if you did not see this, fill in the blank. Jacob Toppin will be a first rounder if blank. And if you're listening on podcast, you can hit me on Twitter at LockedOnUK. Give me the answer to that question. All right. Before we move on, to talk a little Kentucky football and their wide receiver room, talk about who could potentially be a target that steps up and eventually, at the end of the season, statistically, is Kentucky's number two receiver. Because Tavion Robinson looks like that guy. But who's going to be maybe a freshman to step up and be that number two player? Going to talk about who I think that is in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. Guys, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. And you can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. A lot of Braves action right now. Uh, I've been looking at over at betonline.net. Braves right now, man, I don't know if they're going to win their division. I don't know what the odds are on them winning their division, but I'm certain that BetOnline has some, uh, some stuff there for you on their website. And they've got reviews and news of every single league out there. Not just MLB, but NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports. They're about to have some NCAA football lines. They've already got some uh, already got some win totals out there. We've talked about those before here on the show. They've also got golf. For those of you that are into golf out there, you can head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. That is Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Daw here with you. Kentucky's passing offense. I'm a little skeptical. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little skeptical as, as to how things are going to play out this year. A lot of really, really young talent in there. Question to you guys, and I'll answer it myself. Who will Kentucky's number two receiver be? Tavion Robinson, transfer from Virginia Tech, looks like he is going to be taking, I guess, the most dominant role in the, in the passing game this year. I think that he is going to be the guy that Kentucky targets the most, and I think he's going to be the guy that produces, at the end of the day, the most for the Wildcats. But who could that number two receiver be? Kentucky's brought in quite a bit of young receiver talent. They've got Dane Key, Barion Brown, Chris Lewis. They tried to bring in Javon Baker. Uh, unfortunately, he, uh, he decided that he would not be joining the team, which is a shame because uh, he's a really athletic kid. But I think that... You have to look at two players specifically here. 
as potential number two receivers. And I know Demarcus Harris and you've got Jordan Dingle and you've got different players in this receiving core, including the tight ends, that could maybe make that push. But again, I'm going to, in my opinion, limit it to two different possible players here. And I favor one over the other. Dane Key and Barry and Brown. I think those are the two players that could eventually finish as Kentucky's number two receiver statistically in this offense. Now, maybe one player that we haven't we don't we don't mention today gets targeted more than these two players. But I think from a production standpoint, I think one of these two guys will have the second most receptions or yards on this team. We're not necessarily going to talk yards per catch or touchdowns. I just think that that yards and receptions will be where one of these guys sit. They'll be at number two statistically at the end of the year. I think, personally, all due respect to Barry and Brown, I think Dane Key will be Kentucky's number two receiver in this year's offense. There's a couple of different things that Key's got going his way right now. He was here in the spring, one of the only receivers, I believe, here that, that Kentucky uh, got in this past cycle that was here in the spring. I asked Mark Stoops at SEC Media Days about their receiver room. Dane Key was the first player that he mentioned said that he's really, really impressed with what he's able to do and said that uh, he he learns things very, very quickly. You love to hear that out of a freshman, especially in an offense that is going to operate like a pro-style type of scheme. Will Levis uh, has, uh, has praised Dane Key as of late, said that Key is a starter right now, and this is a direct quote from Levis. He said he's got to go into the facility every single day and earn that spot every single day. Not a lot of true freshmen have that opportunity so that so I'm sure that he is excited for it. And from what I, what we've heard from Stoops, from Levis, out of camp, it sounds like Dane Key is really taking advantage of the opportunity that's been given to him. That's really, really good to hear uh, out, of a, out of a freshman at a very, very key, very, very crucial spot, uh, not just on this offense, but on this team as a whole. So Dane Key has put himself in the position to at least start in Kentucky's receiver rotation. He's done all the little things. He's played very well in practice. He's picked up on things quickly. But when you look at him and what his role could actually be in this offense, I want to point out a couple of different things. So Rich Gangarello, former 49ers offensive coordinator, now the offensive coordinator at Kentucky. It's going to be a pro-style passing game, very, very similar to what we saw last year with Liam Cohen and the Wildcats. Now, just because San Francisco had personnel that they relied on uh, to, to an extreme extent last year does not mean that you're going to see certain Kentucky players become forced into roles that maybe you saw with the 49ers. And what essentially I mean is, so Debo Samuel, as we all know for the 49ers, didn't just play wide receiver. He played running back. I threw the ball a little bit for them. He was an all-purpose type of player. Just because the 49ers utilized him does not mean a guy like Tavion Robinson is going to be used in every single way imaginable. It also does not mean that Barry and Brown or Dane Key is going to be used in every way imaginable. To quote, uh, I believe this is Will Levis here, to quote Will Levis, talking about Rich Gangarello and the receivers. He said, I think each of them have their own things, talking about the receivers, that they're good at and how we can utilize them. Coach Scangarello does a really good job of seeing what our strengths and what our guys' strengths are to put them in the right position to, to uh, succeed. 
So you're going to see a, a, a pro-style passing game. And by the way, just because it's pro-style does not mean that it's short to intermediate and nothing else. We saw Kentucky take shots last year. We're going to see them do that again. We're going to see them try and stretch the field between 20 and 30 yards. We're going to see them try and get chunk plays, and they will. Does not necessarily mean, though, that they're going to be short to intermediate. It's going to be a pro-style unit, and it's going to be very, very, very similar to what we saw last year. So you're going to see very similar concepts with, I think, pardon my language here, more talented players, or at least players with a higher ceiling, as opposed to maybe some of the other some of the other uh, receivers in the room last year that have now left, excluding Wanda Robinson. You look at Dane Key, though, specifically in his role in, in this pro-style offense, and you got to look at what's coming out of, out of camp. you got to look at his scouting reports coming out of high school. Really, really good when it comes to tracking the ball in one-on-one situations coming down with difficult catches. He's a natural receiver when it comes to catching passes that would be uncomfortable or naturally difficult to bring down. You've got your slot guy in Tavion Robinson. I think Dane Key will probably be Kentucky's best option on the outside. He's listed at six foot two. He's got really, really solid size, six foot two, 190 pounds. And that's probably the area that Kentucky needs somebody to step up the most is on the outside. And I know Barry and Brown is very, very talented. Do not get me wrong. There is a reason that this kid was rated as highly as he was. This kid will be impactful. If, from what I've heard, it doesn't really sound like he's worked his way maybe into that starting rotation, but he's going to be a factor. He's going to be a factor. Don't get me wrong. But Dane Key, I believe, is already in the position to step up and will be in the position to step up consistently as that outside receiver for the Wildcats. And so, therefore, I think that whenever Will Levis is not targeting Tavion Robinson, I think Dane Key will be the guy that he looks to second. That's just my opinion. If you guys disagree with that, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below, or you can hit me on the socials again at LockedOnUK on Twitter, and you can tell me why I'm wrong or why I'm right, why you agree. All right, I want to get to some more Kentucky football talk here. I want to talk bowl predictions, and I want to ask you guys one more question. Before we get to that, though, I want to, guys, you know, I want to tell you guys to just subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. We are already over 2,200 subscribers uh, for the channel, we want to get a 25 before college basketball season starts. I think we're going to get there. Let's keep pushing. I really appreciate all of you who are leaving really positive comments and reviews. And speaking of reviews, if you're listening on podcasts, go ahead and leave a five-star review for the show. It would mean a lot to me, and it would mean a lot to the uh, the show's growth. Trying to get things up and off the ground here because I think this uh, the season is going to be really, really sweet. So subscribe, like the videos, and don't forget to leave a five-star review if you're listening on podcast. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Daw here with you. Kentucky football bowl projections. So ESPN on Monday afternoon just released their bowl projections for the 2022 season, at least preseason bowl projections. They're probably going to update these every single week. And I doubt there's going to be a lot of shuffling. I'm not going to lie to you. I doubt there's going to be a lot of shuffling for the Wildcats as the season goes on. I think you're going to see them stay consistent, maybe with this bowl or maybe with another one. According to ESPN, both of their analysts project, at least the ones that they had doing these bowl projections, both of their analysts project Kentucky to land in the Citrus Bowl, Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. One of them projects Kentucky to play Wisconsin. 
The other one projects them to play Penn State. Not going to lie to you, don't want to play Penn State again. I'd like to play Wisconsin because I also think that they would be the easier opponent, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, point being, I think it would be nice to make it back to the Citrus Bowl. I'd love to make a New Year's Six Bowl or potentially make the playoff. I mean, that's obviously better than a Florida Bowl, but I think this would be nice. I think that this indicates that, you know, Kentucky's could, can potentially get to that 10-win season. I think at least that's what ESPN is maybe hinting at here with this bowl projection. But yeah, I, I like it. I like playing Big Ten opponents because I think that Kentucky will, will consistently be favored against those type of teams. The Big Ten's known for its physicality in the trenches and known for being like these hard-nosed teams that really know how to survive cold weather and stuff, and then they face off against the Wildcats, who are not only of similar mindset, but also have just as much talent, if not more. They've also got a former Big Ten quarterback leading the way for them. So I really like this matchup if I want Kentucky to get a win. But the question I want to pose to you guys before we head, head out of here is who do you want to see Kentucky football play in the postseason? Now, some of you may take that answer and say, oh, I want to see them play in the playoff. Don't care. Play in the playoff. Or oh, I want to see them play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Don't care. I'm talking specifically the opponent. Who do you want to see Kentucky play? You want to see him play Indiana? I know that there, there's been a lot of people begging uh, in the basketball sphere for Kentucky to play the Hoosiers. What about on the football field? I think that would be fun. Are there any, any other teams outside of the Big Ten that you would maybe like to see Kentucky play? I think Clemson would be a really fun matchup for the team. And some of you may say, Bristol may say, oh, no, they're really, really talented. They got a lot of, they got a lot of stars on that defense. And then we saw Iowa State kind of hang with them last year, guys. Like, I think Kentucky, if they finish with a 10-win season, I would feel comfortable saying, yeah, they can beat Clemson in a bowl game, especially considering Clemson's offense can't move worth a rip right now. I think Clemson would be a team that I would really, really like to see them play. I, I can't really think of a Pac-12 opponent that I would really like to see them go against, but I'm pretty sure Kentucky could probably beat comfortably just about any team in the Pac-12, maybe excluding Utah. And yes, I'm throwing USC in there. I'm not sipping the USC Kool-Aid like many are this season. But yeah, leave it in the YouTube comments below. Give me your opinion. Who do you want to see Kentucky football play in the postseason? Um, some of you may say, we don't know if they're going to make a bowl. I feel pretty confident in it. And if they don't, we'll revisit this uh, late or mid to late December and we'll, we'll talk about it. So that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can, guys can uh, follow the show. On Twitter at Locked On UK, as I've mentioned, you can follow the show or me, excuse me, on Twitter at Lance underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram. That is over at Kentucky Podcast. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.